hello there everyone um my name is shiv uh, i am the outcomes engineer over at outco right uh actually i i attended outco myself right uh while i attended outco uh upon completion i actually got an offer from ibm uh worked there and then i realized i enjoy talking to people a lot more so now i'm here at outco and i'm joined here with sergey sergey why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for us How's it going, everyone? Uh, I'm Sergey. So I'm also a former outcoder, uh, way back, class 11. Um, currently working at Google, uh, doing a mix of software engineering and uh, sort of like business development. And um, so before that, I was actually working at Outcode too. So I, I went through the program and then worked as a software engineer and uh, as an instructor. So I helped build a, a lot of the curriculum around it, uh, you know, what, what people are currently learning. And uh, yeah, before that, I, you know, my background wasn't in coding. I actually came into that from, uh, you know, I, I studied biology and economics at uh, UC Berkeley. So I, I kind of uh, transitioned into coding a little bit later. Uh, but Alco was a big part of that. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be speaking today. Wonderful. Thank you. And before we continue, I just want to shout out our partners, New Tech Northwest, um, one of the uh, fastest growing tech uh, communities in the Pacific Northwest, right? They have over 53,000 folks, uh, friends, you know, they're they're building relationships, so definitely go ahead, check them out. Um, we'll drop a link in the chat. And just to get a feel for the, for the, um, you know, the community that's in here right now, why don't you all go ahead and type out where you're calling in from. Uh, I'm actually calling in from Corona, California. Not to be confused with the virus. Please don't, you know, hate on my city. I, I know. I didn't name it. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, type out. Cool. Seattle, San Jose. Ooh, San, uh, Columbus, Seattle. Wonderful. Ooh, a lot of people from Seattle. All righty. So we got San Francisco, of course, North Carolina, Austin. Great. Listen, Texas, great state, great state. New York, Canada. Welcome from uh, Canada. Of course, Boston, Seattle, Brooklyn, Waterloo. Wonderful. Thank you all. I appreciate you all for taking your evening, joining us, me and Sergey. Uh, Sergey, you ready to kick things off? Yeah. Wonderful. Also, uh, actually, before that, if you have questions, make sure to type them in the Q&A just so, you know, we can, we can have things separated. If you just want to joke around, that's what the chat room's for. So, Sergey, you know, right off the bat, how do you get better at problem solving? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of good resources out there. I mean, I think nothing beats, like, practice. Um, and uh, do people – actually, do people have access to the, uh, the medium that we have? medium.com slash outco. Um, so that's our, that's our blog. We have a whole blog post that I, I wrote about problem solving. So if you really want to deep dive, it's like a 30 minute read. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think if I you know, wanted to sum it up in like one major point, like one, uh, uh, like the number one thing, I would say it's try to find ways to uh, teach others. So try to find ways to teach other people. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, first of all, I think that's how I got better at coding and, and problem solving in general um, was through working at Alco and uh, using like those opportunities to kind of teach people and, and have that repetition, um, you know, and teach various cohorts. Uh, it really gave me the chance to kind of get better at things. Um, but you don't need to, you know, work as an instructor to do that. You could just be, you know, in the program or, or you know, even just pairing with people who are also interested in coding. Because, um, you know, you need to know the problem that you've solved and, uh, you know, if you've, you've gone through the roadblocks, you've had to kind of do some research and investigate, like, what, what 
works and what doesn't. Um, and then two, in that teaching process, you really get to see how other people think. You get to see uh, someone else try to solve it and you can kind of see what the common mistakes are. It's kind of acts as a mirror. Um, plus, I can't stress enough, like the communication skills, like teaching something and really like knowing it versus putting it into words and explaining it to someone else. Um, it's a huge difference. And I, I think like that's a big piece of the interview processes uh, because you're up there on a whiteboard or in a text screen. You, um, you know, you really got to like uh, learn how to convey what you're thinking in the moment on the spot to the interviewer. Um, and the best way to do that is by trying to teach people problems. So, I mean, I think one way to do that is everyone kind of picks a problem, maybe in a group or like in pairs and uh, you know, you do that problem, you come back the next day and you teach it to each other. Um, it's a great way I've seen kind of working. Um, and then too, like there's that community aspect, like you're, you're part of the outco community when you join and, and you want to make those good connections. Cause um, you know, even when I was interviewing after outco, uh, one of my interviewers happened to be a former student, right? So Silicon Valley is a very small place and uh, it, uh, you know, it, it pays to be, you know, a part of that community and, and have friends and, and make connections, right? It's, you're not, you don't exist in a vacuum. You're going to have teammates, you're going to have coworkers. And, um, you know, I think like helping someone out, helping them through a problem, maybe like a roadblock that they have, um, you know, it's just good karma. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that. So, you know, you're talking about building this community. Um, you know, how do you create a, a system of support, you know, for your, uh, for success, right? How do you, how do you find these people, you know, during Alco, of course, you know, we, we have a bunch of people that we're able to get like that work with us, um, that are, you know, fortunately our alumni are really good with helping each other. They're always posting their own jobs and things of that nature. But, you know, what do you recommend on, how to find that, those people that are really willing to help you and, and, you know, look out for your success. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah. When I, when I think of like systems to kind of learn or get better, um, I think of it as, as sort of like layers, right? So the, the outermost layer would be uh, what's the environment you're in um, at Outco, you know, obviously it's, it's, it, it is literally what it sounds like. It's you have the whiteboards, you have, you know, markers and laptops and projectors and, tools to kind of teach. Um, obviously now Alco is closed, right? Like most places. Um, but, uh, you know, you have the online environment. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure your environment though is it has the things you need, right? So it has, um, if you need a monitor or if you need a you know, laptop stand or a standing desk, or, um, if you need a, you know, like a, uh, some kind of like tools like whiteboard, like an iPad or something, um, you know, make sure you have those things, but it's, but it's also beyond that, right? It's, um, uh, it's having the fellow students around you, right? It, it's having the Slack channels. It's having the, um, the things that, you know, support your learning, like the physical things that you need, right? Um, the next layer beyond that, though, is like, what are the behaviors in that environment, right? I mean, like, you know, your environment might be, you know, now it's probably at home for everyone, right? And, you know, you need things like snacks and things to kind of keep you going. But how are you actually spending that time? Are you actually putting in a certain number of hours coding? It could be even 30 minutes a day, an hour, whatever. Um, but are you actually putting in that time? Are you actually going through the motions? Even if you have a bad day and you couldn't get through any of the problems, are you at least doing it? Because it's, it's really just, it's cumulative. It adds up over time. Um, you got to be sending out the applications. You got to actually be working on side projects, doing interviews, taking calls. Um, and then outside of the job search, there's a question of, are you taking care of yourself? 
eating right, sleeping enough, getting enough exercise, taking breaks, um, and doing activities that kind of help you take your mind off the coding and, you know, the stress of the job search, right? So there's all those like behaviors, right? So you have the environment behaviors, and then sort of like the innermost layer would be, what are your, excuse me, um, what are your sort of skills or capabilities? And so these are the actual like new things that you're learning, new things that you're building. So, um, you know, you might spend an hour a day coding every day, right? But if you're working on the same problems or same types of problems, right, really like easy ones, and you're not pushing yourself, if you're not trying to learn new topics, like can you solve recursion problems? Can you solve graph problems or tree problems or dynamic programming problems? Um, do you know all the right frameworks for the jobs that you're going for or the right programming languages? What kind of um, projects or apps have you built? Um, they really like push your skills, right? So um, you may not necessarily need to use all of them on a particular interview, but you also want to grow that set of capabilities, right? So, um, and then two, it's, it's knowing how to, how to actually write a good reverse recruiting message. It's uh, knowing how to craft a good email. Um, do you know how to network properly? Do you know how to like eat healthy and take care of yourself? Um, and, you know, and a big one that, that for me a long time was just kind of blind spot, but do you even, do you know how to rest, right? You know, how to recharge, right? It's sometimes it's not about knowing, uh, it's not about having, trying to get less work. It's knowing about how to recharge so you can take on more. Um, and, I, and I guess if there was like an innermost layer, it's like, it's really just believing in yourself, right? So if you have your environment, your behaviors, capabilities, then it's your beliefs. It's knowing and feeling like you can do it. Um, sometimes I struggle obviously with imposter syndrome. I think like most people, especially in tech, um, cause it is really, it's a challenging field to be in. But, um, you know, I think the, the, the biggest part is like, you have to be, you know, kind to yourself and you have to actually believe that you can put in the time and, and that you will learn what you need to learn. Right. And I can speak from experience, right. I came in not really knowing how to code out of college. Um, you know, having studied something completely different and now that's, that's the, uh, industry that I'm in. So, um, you know, you gotta believe that you can do it. And I think the biggest piece of advice I can get there is, uh, uh, talk to someone. If you're feeling insecure about something, it could be anyone, but ideally someone you trust because just putting things into words helps them, helps things go from like a feeling to, uh, you know, something concrete, something defined that you can then address because it, it, if you can't, you know, name something, um, if you can't, uh, I think there's a quote from Yoda in Star Wars. He's like, you know, name, you have to name your fears before you can banish them. Uh, we obviously he said that in, in a Yoda kind of way, but, um, but yeah, you gotta put your problems into words before you can solve them. Definitely. Thank you for that. And, you know, we, we definitely do have a question. Um, and I, I would love to answer this first, just to give you a little break yeah. from, from talking. Uh, but Vivian asks, um, you know, can we talk about the program experience or our backgrounds and how hard it was to get through Outco? Uh, you know, she's just trying to understand about what the experience was like for someone brand new to this. Well, Vivian, that's a great question. So, like I said, I'll go first. My, my experience, um, I'm actually... My college degree was in political science, law, and society. I thought I was going to go become a lawyer for the military, uh, a judge advocate general. Realized, um, yeah, you know, I don't want to go to law. So my sister-in-law actually got me into uh, software engineering, you know. So I'm self-taught, went to a code school. Um, right after that, I actually started teaching web development inside prison, helping with rehabilitation. 
So, you know, that was a lot of, lot of fun, very rewarding. When I started looking for work after that, as because uh, I wanted to break into the tech industry, um, what ended up happening was um, I got hit with a lot of, hey, that's really cool with what you're doing, but, you know, you're not, you don't have real experience. Um, you know, you don't, you're not hands-on. So it took me actually two tries to get into Outco. You know, um, I didn't know data structures beforehand, which is why it did take me two tries. Uh, but, you know, the coaches were really good. They gave a lot of feedback um, the first time I didn't get in. So then I, that's what I prepared for. That's what I studied. Um, so I got in. Now going through Outco, you know, just having them revamp my resume, that was, that changed everything, right? I, I instantly started getting more hits, more people wanted to uh, interview me, got more phone calls, right? And then it was all about how I sell myself, right? Um, one thing I've learned is I did have the experience, right? It was just in a different format. So once I learned how to actually talk about my experience, I was able to move through those uh, interviews. Um, once I got to the whiteboarding, right? This this was a daunting task. And Sergey was actually one of my head coaches. So a lot of help from Sergey there. Um, but, you know, just being able to break down and understanding fully what I'm looking at, right? I was brand new to these data structures algorithms. Because as I mentioned, I, uh, I was self-taught, um, went to a code school. We don't cover those things. So, you know, breaking down these data structures um, and putting in the time and effort, right? You definitely need to put in that time and effort. As Sergey was mentioning, you know, you have to push yourself to, to those uncomfortable levels, right? So I would spend, you know, I know folks would spend five hours a week outside of class. I personally would spend around 20 um, just because I really wanted to hammer away and, and do well. I, I, was, I really wanted to get into the tech industry, right? Um, and then, of course, negotiation, right? So you learn all these things. Negotiation was probably one of the most uncomfortable things just because I don't know about you, but I personally don't be like saying like, hey, you know, I want a little bit more money. Um, although we all should say that, right? We're all worth it. Why not? So um, upon completion, right, I started applying. And uh, one thing about Outco that, that really got me was I, when I get flustered, I, don't, uh, I, I spiral downhill, right? So I got flustered on one of my first interviews went downhill, right? It wasn't because I didn't know it. I just got nervous, right? Um, and, you know, Alco gives these uh, weekly feedback forms of like, hey, how you doing? And I said, I was like, hey, you know, I'm pretty bummed out. I had a coach actually give me a call and, you know, walk me through that, walk me through that pain point so it never happened again. Ultimately interviewed at IBM, um, got that job, loved it. But yeah, just like working with people. So, it definitely is challenging depending on where you're at. We have folks of all levels, right? We have new engineers all the way to like senior engineers with like 20, 30 years of experience. I've even seen folks from bank companies come through. So a wide, wide range. Um, also starting to see a lot more managers, more director level folks. So we do have a wide range and you get a lot of experience. Uh, so, Sergey, you know, could you share with us, you know, your, your experience going through Outco? And, you know, because you are also a coach uh, on the technical side, you know, what are some things you see? What are some struggles you see? And uh, the breaking points where they, you know, they break through and, and get that wow moment. Yeah. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I think the biggest learning thing for me was, was the, uh, 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 the sort of teaching, right? Like, like teaching – I thought it was a big way for me to actually learn the material. Um, 
you know, I think, I think what one, uh, I had a coworker, she's no longer with Alco, but, um, she had a, she had a great saying that, you know, when, when you're teaching someone, you have to meet them where they are. Um, so what, um, you know, one big kind of aha moment for myself was kind of realizing, um, I needed to, whenever I was trying to teach someone one-on-one or kind of when we were going around the room and, and teaching people on the whiteboards, um, it was, it was trying to figure out my, my job as a teacher wasn't just to kind of one way, like it wasn't a one, a one way, uh, sort of communication. It wasn't saying, you know, this is, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. Um, it was sort of like a two way back and forth where, um, I was sort of searching for where, what was the, what was the missing link? Like what was the, what was the missing, you know, um, uh, what, what was the pain point or what was the, the, key piece of information that um, maybe someone wasn't seeing. And, and sometimes it's about diagramming something the right way. Uh, sometimes it's about, um, you know, showing, showing a certain way to kind of work through a problem, right? I mean, a lot of times people get stuck in dead ends um, and uh, you know, it, you kind of have to help people like work through it and like take steps back and say, okay, like, let's, let's start over. Let's, let's kind of go at it again. Um, you know, I think a big, a big piece of it is a, uh, asking asking the right questions right as as the instructor you kind of need to ask okay well what does this piece mean or what does this piece do um it's a, it's a skill just knowing what what the right questions are to ask and then as the interview viewee like it, that it works both ways right i think um you gotta ask for for uh you know feedback on, on the questions you gotta ask for um you know how to uh you know how to how to like think about the problem in the correct way. You got to ask for examples, you got to ask for, um, constraints. So, you know, it really is a, really is a back and forth thing. And it's not like, uh, you know, the, the process is very, um, you know, it, it can't like learning can't be this rigid thing. It has to be organic. It has to be, you know, everyone's coming with different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, you know, and I think like just the, 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 the fact that there's like so many different, ways that people have or can learn um, programming these days, uh, it, you know, it can be challenging for, you know, Alco, like instructors, anyone to kind of, you know, like meet people where they're at, meet, like figure out like what, what they know and like how they, and like how they go about problem solving. Um, but, uh, but again, like being in that environment, I think Alco has kind of just figured out a formula to condense stuff into like a, as short of time frame as possible. And I know there was, that was a challenge for me working there is just trying to cram as much um, material and, but also like not overwhelm people. Right. Cause you can't just at a certain point, you can't just keep throwing more and more. Um, you know, you got to make sure that uh, the material sticks. So um, you know, kind of a long winded way of saying, uh, talking a little bit about my experiences, but um, you know, definitely very gratifying. And um, I think uh, it's not, um, you know, I, I think, of all the programs I've kind of seen, this is like the best hands-on one, um, definitely out there. Definitely. Thank you for that. And yeah, you know, if, if, uh, you folks are interested in learning more about Outco, um, you know, we'll, uh, I'm going to go ahead and post a poll in the, uh, in the chat room right now, you know, to see, uh, which days work for you just so you can learn more. All right. Um, so yeah, let's get back to it. Um, now, Sergey, you know, we're talking about, you know, finding the right community. We're talking about, um, you know, how to learn, the things that you did to learn, you know, of course, teaching. 
But of course, the first thing we have to do is get in the right mindset, right? We have to get in the mindset of challenging ourselves. We have to get in the mindset of, hey, we, we have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what, uh, how did you adopt the right mindset as, uh, you know, as growing as an engineer, you know, taking on challenges that you've never done before, um, things of that nature. So, yeah, what did you do? Yeah, it, it's a big part of it, right? Like the having, you know, having a good mindset um, in anything, right? Like having having a good attitude uh, is key, right? I think some of the most challenging students uh, while I was an you know, instructor at Opco were students that, um, you know, had, it wasn't even that their, their pro- it wasn't their programming skills so much as it was their, their mi- mindset, right? Um, either they didn't really believe that they could do it or, you know, they would kind of get down on themselves or they, you know, sometimes would, would get defensive. Um, those are all things that really like work against you. It's, it's a big drag. It's more, more so than any kind of like idea we might have about, you know, natural ability or education or whatever it might be. The, the attitude is probably the biggest thing that um, can make or break your experience at outcome and, and on the, and, you know, make or break your interview process. Uh, and, you know, if you have the right out attitude, it cuts down the time, helps you get a better job, helps you get more offers potentially. Um, so I think it's, that's just totally key. Um, for me, if I had to sum it up in, into one mindset or attitude, and, uh, I would say it's, uh, it, just having a mindset of, of sort of curiosity. Um, when you're out coding and when you're trying to pro- solve new problems, uh, the best mindset I've found is one where I'm sort of exploring um, and I'm playing with the problem. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely 100% focused on the problem at hand, right? So it's being fully immersed in what I'm doing. Um, the rewarding thing about coding, but also the challenging thing about coding is that to me, I, I, and maybe this is just my own experience, but I have to be fully immersed in what I'm doing. Like it has to be complete 100% focus. Um, and it's rewarding because it's kind of like solving a puzzle or playing a video game or, um, you know, just, just being really absorbed in a book or a movie or something. Um, but it also means that if there's a lot going on and, you know, it's, if you've got a lot of stuff on your mind, like, you know, like if you have bills to pay or if you're stressed about an upcoming interview or something, um, it can really derail your learning process and, and cut down on its effectiveness. So, um, you know, and two, like, I would say like, it's not, you know, I'm, it, it is a mindset, right. And I, you, there's a certain degree of control that we all have over that. Um, but it's not, at least for me personally, isn't something I can just turn on and off, right. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to be present now and, and totally focused. Sometimes it, it takes a little while to get into the rhythm. Um, but uh, one problem to getting into that rhythm I consistently face is feeling scattered. Um, you know, feel free to post in the, in the, in the chat. If you, if you have trouble kind of like feeling scattering, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, I think a lot of times it's like, um, there's a million distractions. I mean, I think it's, it's this, it's everyone has a smartphone these days. Everyone's got a million things going off. It's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's texts, it's calls, emails. And it, it really like, it's to me, it's just, it's too much context switching. It's too much, um, you know, it's, it's too much uh, information overload and it's not all very useful. I mean, a lot of it's just kind of like junk food uh, information, right? Um, and so 
the solution I've kind of found to that, and it's, it's fairly recent. I mean, it's only in, in the past probably year. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's partially been a product of the coronavirus uh, because now we have all this time to kind of reflect and, and try things. Um, but, you know, and it, whatever your opinions might be about meditation, to me, it's, it's really about like just sitting quietly for a few minutes. Um, and this could be 5, 10, 15, um, or if you have the time up to like, I do up to 40 minutes sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes I'll put on some, well, it's usually like some quiet music and uh, like a timer and basically just sitting there and doing nothing. Um, the biggest, it sounds easy, but I struggle with it sometimes too when I have a lot going on because it feels like a waste of time, right? But I think there's something to be said about defragging your mind and sort of just like addressing the noise. Like if there's a million things popping into your head that are sort of out of your control right now, like this, for me, it helps me kind of drown that out and sort of get focused on like, what do I need to do over the next day? Like, what are the, what are the key points? Like, you know, recently it was getting my taxes filed. Like it's uh, responding to a certain email or, you know, preparing for a, a particular meeting or something or, or getting a certain, you know, uh, piece of code submitted. Uh, it's, it's figuring out how to, you know, focus on what's important. Um, so a little bit of quiet, a little bit of peace, a little bit of like downtime is, is great for that. Um, and again, like five, 10 minutes, I, I even see the benefits there. Um, you know, going on walks too, that helps workouts. It's again, it's about that. Like what I mentioned earlier, take care of yourself. Um, and there's a good quote to go with this. Um, I forget who it's by, but it might've been Abraham Lincoln. Um, it was, uh, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the four, first four sharpening the ax. Right. So, um, this is, this is essentially that, but for, uh, you know, context of programming. Definitely. Yeah. And I would love to add to that. You know, you're talking about taking care of your body, taking your, taking care of yourself and yeah, you know, having been in, in the military, right. A lot of it is about taking care of your body, your mind and your body are connected. So, you know, if, if your, if your body's not right, your mind's not going to be right. You know, so a lot of it is just taking time to stretch, you know, make sure you're feeling good, eating right, eating proper, you know, getting the proper amount of sleep. Because uh, if you're not sleeping, you're not going to be able to think straight. So definitely, you know. So, you know, one, uh, you know, Sergey, I got a question from Josh, you know. Um, what he's asking is, have we ever seen people at Alco, um, you know, needing to go back through? You know, one of my biggest pieces of advice for that um, is I always recommend folks to constantly doing, uh, you know, these data structure algorithm problems, you know, even just doing one a day. Uh, do you agree with doing one a day or what, what approach do you think is, um, what approach do you think would be beneficial for you not to have to go through the program again? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I can, I can dig this up. I have it somewhere on GitHub, but I have like a repo that's just for, um, uh, these coding problems. And as I like seen them, um, I lately, I haven't done as many, but, um, you know, even after I left Alco, I, I kept contributing and adding problems to their, um, I think one a day is a great, uh, mark to hit. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely reasonable. Um, I think the, uh, it's tricky because, you know, I've set goals for myself or New Year's resolutions where I'm like, you know, I'm going to write every day or I'm going to, you know, do a coding problem or, or something every day or, or every week I have some, some target to hit. Um, you know, I think it, it's good to track those things, but, um, I also know that sometimes it can be tough to comply and it creates just additional stress and sort of overhead. Um, I saw a good video recently uh, by a guy named CGP Gray about creating a theme. So 
if you have a theme for you know a, a month or, or a quarter or a week for saying I'm going to do uh, you know focus on recursion right and then that way you're or I'm going to focus on you know this kind of this I'm going to focus on a month of React or something or whatever it might be um, that works too like I think if you just kind of keep that in the back of your mind it's simple it's, it's sort of vague. But um, it gives you that opportunity to say, okay, like if, whenever you're trying to figure out what you want to do, because a lot of times it can be just taxing to figure out what problem do I need to solve today? Like what, what would be the right thing to focus on? If you have that theme in the back of your mind, it, it helps you kind of direct and say, okay, I'm going to look up uh, a, this a problem, like a graph problem today, or I'm going to look up this, this uh, graph database framework or something. Um, I think that would be kind of like my, my piece of advice there. Definitely. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, so when you were going through Google, right, or when you were applying, um, and this is a question from Nivea, right? How did you decide which path you wanted to go with software engineering, right? Did you, um, were you, did you gravitate towards one? Did you just, you know, shoot, uh, just throw something on the wall, see what, which one you, what stuck? Uh, how did you decide what software engineering you liked? Uh, this is specifically in the context of, uh, Google. Uh, yeah, Google. Let's go with Google. This is, sorry, this is Nidhi's question. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I was reading it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that, that one, it's, it's tricky because I think the individual team matters a little more than, than, um, you know, the, the ladder itself. I think like the way Google interviews is usually pretty. Um, or at least my experience was it's, it's pretty vague and they kind of uh, assign the team to you afterwards versus some companies where you're interviewing for a particular role. Um, and so they, they ask questions around, around that role a little more. Um, I would just say like get a feel for um, the, the team that you're, you're going to kind of be a part of and ask people on that team what, uh, what their experience has been like. Do they like the managers? Do they like the workload? Um, you know, that, that kind of thing because it's, you know, that affects your day-to-day, -day, I think, a lot more. Um, but, uh, you know, again, like most of, the, most of the interviews are pretty standard. Um, you know, a lot of coding questions, uh, data structures, algorithms, basically the stuff that the Alco teaches. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for answering that. So, you know, I, you know, I, I asked those, you know, the questions that I had. I would love to open it up to the chat, you know, to, to open it up to Q&A. Um, you know, if, if you'd be open to that, Sergey. Yeah, let's do it. One, wonderful. Yeah, so let's open up to Q and A. Um, so feel free to type out uh, you know, questions you have in the chat room. Um, we'll love to answer any questions. I know we had questions about Outco. Um, so of course you could ask Sergey about how his transition was from teaching to that, um, you know, to to Google to being an engineer full time. Um, how he balances that, how he, how he balance. Well, of course we know meditation is one, a big thing, taking care of yourself. All right. Um, so yeah, I know Karthik over, uh, is asking, is, uh, coding skills mandatory for Google? Um, if you, uh, Sergey, if you can see that in the, mm -hmm. the Q and A. Yeah. Uh, good question. I mean, there's actually, there's a lot of people I work with who are, you know, non-coders and I kind of sit in, um, you know, in, in between a lot of like technical and non-technical teams. Um, it's definitely not a requirement for most, most folks. I'd say most of them kind of have some understanding of 
generally like how stuff works. Um, you know, there's product manager roles, there's product operation uh, manager roles, there's uh, PGM program manager, um, a lot of manager roles. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, business development. There's, there's a lot of non-coding um, uh, folks at Google. So, um, you know, it, it's really about like what kind of role you want to get into. Um, I'm not as familiar with what the, that interview process is like. Um, you know, I, I know there's some level of behavioral questions because you know, everyone has to go through those just kind of culture fit, making sure, you know, you're able to talk about your past experiences and, and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's definitely not a requirement. Um, I, I don't know, but I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about them. Again, I probably not the best person to ask, but um, I would say best, best bet is look up some folks on LinkedIn who work at the companies you're interested in and um, you know, just grab some time from them and ask if, uh, you know, you know, do a little bit of research, see kind of what they work on. Uh, if it seems interesting, reach out and just kind of pick their brain and ask if, uh, you know, ask if they'd be open to a call or something. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that, Sergey. So, you know, Praveen's asking, uh, and I could definitely give some input on this too. Um, what strategies for preparation of code reviews? Uh, most of the answers I look at after spending some time or taking hours. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing that I realized before I attended Alco is, I would go on leak code, start on a problem, wouldn't understand it, so I would go look at the answer. The problem that I faced when I did that was I didn't really know what I was looking at, to be honest. There's hundreds, if not thousands of answers. They're all doing something differently. Um, they all have different time and space complexity. Everyone has their own methods that they prefer. Everyone has their own style. Uh, I would actually equate you know, coding to almost art right? You could do the same, you could draw, you could paint the same painting, but everyone has a different method of doing it, right? And that's the same thing with coding. Everyone has a different way of answering these questions. So once I joined Alco, what I realized very quickly is my foundation was lacking, right? And even going on to the harder problems, right? I realized as long as my foundation was solid, I could just fall back on my foundation and I would be able to answer these types of questions. So what I would recommend uh, for preparation of code reviews and just you know answering these questions better, have a solid foundation. If there's holes or cracks in your foundation, that's where we're gonna start failing a little bit. So Sergey, uh, could you add to that or you know, what do you what's your take on that? Yeah. Um... You know, I, I think just kind of echoing what I, what I said earlier is, um, you know, if you don't understand a problem, um, you know, try to teach it to someone. I, I think part of the reason I started also the, the Medium blog was uh, to, A, to get better myself, and I enjoyed the writing, but B, is uh, finding better ways to teach some of these problems. Because I, I, a lot of times I would read an answer on Leak Code or, um, uh, what's the other one, Geeks for Geeks, and, um, you know, it... it it wasn't always clear. I mean, they, they, it's a great resource and a lot of times you can get, you know, good solutions or good answers out of it. Um, you know, you can try to rewrite the code. Um, I wouldn't say it's a total waste of time to just look at the answers. Uh, it doesn't make sense to bang your head against the wall for hours on end trying to solve a problem. Um, at a certain point you do have to kind of look at the answer, but, but spend some time with it. I would say prioritize depth over breadth. And this is why it's tricky to, set a certain goal of like, I want to solve 10 questions a day. It's better to understand one really well, because that one is going to, um, if, you, if you really understand that one, it's going to propel you a lot further and help you understand the deeper 
principles because you're gonna have questions you're gonna have to answer those questions yourself um and like i said you're you, you know it's a good bet to try teaching someone because again you're when you're in that process of communicating figuring out how do i convey this topic to someone you're, you're sort of digesting it and and mulling it over and, and playing with the idea and looking at it from different angles um and then again like if you if you can teach it to someone you can solve it in an interview so, you know, that's why it's so important to like have, have that partner, that all that pair programming, um, you know, on top of the community and all that it's, it's too, I, I found that it's just, it's a better way to stay for me when I, when I'm like pair programming or if I'm working on a problem with, with someone else, the time just goes by faster. Like it's having like a workout buddy. Um, it, to me, it's, it's like, uh, I'm just, I'm more effective that way. And, you know, I'm just more engaged and, and kind of just like working on things and, you get to kind of pick up through osmosis how someone might look at a problem differently um, and kind of help fill in each other's, you know, fill in the gaps for each other. So, um, yeah, you know, again, it's challenging now because we're, we can't see each other in person, but Zoom is a great resource and, you know, there's breakout rooms, all kinds of uh, ways to do it digitally. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I like to address Maria's question, which is in the chat room. Uh, you know, as a front end engineer, my, you're, my day job it doesn't really involve algorithms and data structures. However, the interview questions almost always involve algorithms. Uh, if I want to be a successful engineer, do I focus my learning on training for the interview or for the actual job? This is a wonderful question. So the way I like to personally break it down, and Sergey, I love your input on this as well. Uh, I feel like there's two different types of coding, right? There's your day-to-day -day, and then there's your interview coding. Right. Um, so I also was a front end engineer. Uh, I focus on react. Love that. Uh, love that framework. Now, yes, during the interview process, I, I noticed there was a lot of algorithms, and data structures. However, day to day, I'm, I'm not using dynamic programming or recursion. Right. So one thing is, is there has to be a, a good balance of the two. Right. Because you're, you know, you're doing your job, you're able to practice your your actual job skill set, right? So I would say on your off time, uh, I would recommend and focusing on that interview, right? Focusing on those whiteboarding skills and and reiterating everything Sergey just said, right? Focus on the depth, right? Getting really good at one thing, and then of course, then that's going to pr propel you a lot further. Um, so that's what I would recommend, uh, Sergey. You have any uh, anything to add to that? Yeah. I Sorry, could you reiterate the question? I was looking for it, but I can't. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's in chat. Uh, so basically, if uh, Maria is a front-end engineer, and basically mm -hmm. she's asking if she wants to be a successful engineer, does she focus on learning uh, the interview skill set or the actual job? Sure. Um, it's a tricky one. I, I think it depends on the role. Um, you know, if you think if you're going through these bigger uh, companies, I think it's they have a pretty standard like they're going to ask you some sort of algorithm problem. Um, but a lot of startups won't because it's not, it's not necessarily the best way to, to screen someone. Um, big companies, it's just slower to change processes. I mean, I can speak to that just, just through my experience at Google, um, change is slow. Um, it doesn't hurt. I I'd say like, I always found, uh, the CS fundamental stuff interesting and I thought it kind of enhanced my, my knowledge and my ability to solve, uh, work problems. Again, I don't really do dynamic programming stuff, but just knowing, um, you know, knowing things about, you know, properties of graphs, you know, it helps for things like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with some kind of network 
um, effect or if you're dealing with something, um, you know, or if you're dealing with a directory structure, knowing that that's like a tree-like structure and, uh, um, you know, certain, certain things I think are helpful. Um, you know, I'd say uh, it's tricky in interviews because again, it, it depends on the kind of interview. Sometimes you'll have a project uh, if you're a front-end engineer, like they'll say, you know, build this, build this front-end for, for a mock app or something. And then if you have a, uh, you know, if you have like a bigger company, it might be you know, algorithm problems. So it never hurts to, um, to have the extra tools in your tool belt, um, but focus on one thing at a time. I, I don't think it, it makes sense to context switch and try to do everything all in one day. I'd say focus on one thing per day. And that's kind of what I was mentioning earlier about themes. So, you know, spend a week on a certain theme and then kind of move on. It doesn't, doesn't serve you to context switch. Wonderful. Thank you for that. You know, a couple yeah. questions in the Q and a uh, specifically related to Google, right? Uh, Vivian's mm -hmm. asking what was the process for interviewing like at Google as how many times were you interviewed and what type of questions did they ask uh, related to leak code challenges, easy, medium, hard. Uh, also, mm -hmm. did you know what the team you were interviewing for before you interviewed or did they tell you after you interviewed? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I knew I was, I was coming in for like a, a, a the shopping team. Um, so it was, we're dealing with some e-commerce stuff. Um, the, you know, it was going, the interview questions were probably, um, I'd say like leak code medium, um, maybe, maybe a couple, couple hard, um, questions. Usually they would do two questions per uh, sort of rotation. Um, first one would be like an easy question kind of as a warm up. Um, but keep in mind, you only have about 45 minutes to solve these and that's minus the, you know, intros and outros. Um, so they can really can't ask you too many, um, you know, too many challenging questions. They're going to say, you know, re-implement, you know, uh, uh, Dijkstra's algorithm or something crazy, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, those are kind of the kinds of questions. I also had a few like SQL questions and sort of data modeling questions. So uh, you have sort of, um, you know, an e-commerce platform, what kind of tables you have, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, and then uh, I'd say the, yeah, so as far as the team, I, I kind of got moved around after I, I got the offer. So um, again, it's flexible a lot of times. People transfer, I mean, like a lot of my teammates have sort of as in the year, and change that I've been at Google. Um, it's, my teams have changed a lot. Like a lot of people have come and gone. Uh, a lot of people are on leave. So people, um, people move around a lot. It's uh, pretty great in terms of like having that flexibility. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Sure. All righty. So we have one from Malcolm. Um, which part of the technical interview is the most anxiety provoking for you and how do you manage the anxiety? Malcolm, that's a wonderful question. So as I was mentioning earlier on, right, when I get flustered, I go downhill real fast. Uh, it's, it's not even funny how fast I go downhill. Um, so for me personally, uh, for me, it was a whiteboarding, right? And as I mentioned, that first interview I had, I just froze, right? Um, I saw the whiteboard and I thought it was just the ocean. I was like, I, I got lost, right? So what I realized for me, what helps the most is just having the knowledge, right? I find comfort in knowledge and knowing how to do things. So what I did was, and that's what I worked on with the, with the outco coach, right? They stepped on, uh, jumped on a call with me and we were just going through 
making sure I knew things, right? Uh, the coach would challenge me and ask me like, hey, what do you do? Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And if I didn't know, went and spent a bunch of time learning that and solidifying it, right? Not just like breezing through an article of like, oh, this is how I do it. I truly got uh, understanding and gained that knowledge. Um, so there's a few things also. When you're talking, right? Uh, this is one trick that I like to uh, use. Um, a lot of people, when they get anxious or nervous, they start talking faster, right? Uh, if you're familiar with a musical instrument, they go through, uh, they have that pattern of one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, right? Tap your foot to that. If you tap your foot to one, two, three, four, right? And you constantly do that and you talk to that beat, you're never going to get out of beat, right? So even if you get anxious, well, you're still going to be talking to that same beat. Another trick is controlling your breathing, right? Um, controlling your breathing and looking at one fixed point. So uh, obviously looking at a person, um, people get nervous looking uh, eye to eye, right? Look at right in the center, you're totally fine. They're not going to know. Um, that's one fixed point and you can kind of like zone out with your vision. I do this all the time just because sometimes I do get nervous during conversation. Um, but I make sure to control my breathing. Uh, by controlling your breathing, and this kind of goes to Sergey talking about meditation, because meditation, you have to control your breathing. You have to, you, um, you know, you feel yourself, like you feel every part of your body, right? So controlling your breathing is very important. So keeping that breathing under control, talking uh, in that smooth manner, I think those are the ways that I personally manage my anxiety um, and just having that knowledge. Um, Sergey, would you care to add to that? I mean, I think for me, it's uh, those are all great, great advice, by the way. Um, I'd say for me, it's probably just the, the, the prep or the, um, you know, the, the kind of anxiety leading up to it. Once I'm there, it, it usually I just kind of get into the rhythm um, and sort of, you know, it's like whatever, whatever happens, happens. Um, sure. It, and, I, and I know the feeling I've definitely frozen up and this is even before, uh, you know, sort of coding interviews. I, you know, had projects where I had to present something and, and I kind of just got this uh, you can look it up if you're not familiar. It's called like an amygdala hijack. Um, and it's basically, yeah, where you freeze up and, and you kind of go into this like panic, fire, flight or fright, uh, fight, fight or flight mode. Um, and uh, or fight, it's fight, flight or freeze. Um, and so it's kind of, I guess, more of like a freeze or like panic kind of reaction. Um, it sucks. It's probably one of the most, you know, horrible feelings. Um, but you know, it's that. I mean, it's a feeling. And um, you know, it's, it's a bit of trial by fire. I mean, you look back on things and they, they seem small. Um, the, I, I'd say like, I guess, yeah, like a, a trick to kind of avoid it. I mean, obviously like preparation, but um, I'd say in the moment, uh, anytime you get stuck on a problem, it can trigger that. And I think that's also more likely if you don't have preparation, right? So if you've gone through Outco, just by being up on the whiteboard, even in like a fake environment, you, your brain sort of gets trained on that environment where there are no stakes and then it translates that over to a whiteboarding environment on, on an audit site, right? So like you've just been up there that many times that you're, you're gonna feel more comfortable. Um, so there, there's a few tricks you can do. You can ask more questions, just try more examples. Um, I talked about that in one of the blog posts uh, on the Medium uh, sites if you want more details on that. That's, those are some uh, uh, good tips, I'd say. Um, but uh, I, you know, I even have this, but I think to, to stress like, it's, it's more, I focus more on like the process of problem solving, right? So 
like I said, there's an attitude you have of like curiosity, trying things and, and going through um, examples and asking questions, making it back and forth, interactive, um, not knowing how to like get unstuck, right? Like knowing how to troubleshoot and try things like that's, that's a really valuable skill on the job and off the job, right? Cause if you just, you say like, okay, I'm just going to run this script. Oh, it's broken. Well, you're not going to be very useful at your job, right? Like you need to figure out, okay, well, why did that break? Okay. Someone made a change over here that then broke this, that whatever. Um, you need this, this like kind of detective attitude. Um, and you know, I've even had this idea for a, a session, you know, for like output students that, um, it, you know, it's to give them an unsolvable problem, right? So it's a problem that, you know, mathematicians, you know, scientists haven't actually found a solution for, but it's one that you can actually understand and you can kind of start to work through. Um, so it's not, you know, just to kind of show that it's not about coming up with the right answer. It's about really like the process of getting there. Um, cause the reality is like, you know, you can do as many problems as you want. Still no guarantee that you're going to pass every interview hundred percent of the time. Um, but you don't need to know every single question. You just need to know, you know, enough to get a job or get an offer or a couple offers. Right. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. All righty. So. Nathan has a question at the top of the Q&A. Uh, &A. So uh, if we have some experience in multiple fields of software engineering, not an expert in one, uh, how does a company like Google assess uh, you and get you uh, to a team? And is that, is that we have to worry about if we are not really good at one thing? Yeah, so my general experience unless they're hiring for a specific role it's it's that they hire like in a general role kind of sense so i'd focus on the algorithm questions um you know they'll they'll see kind of like what what your languages are and try to place you usually they're um a recruiter's hiring for a specific role but again it, it comes down to the uh, general sort of algorithm data structure uh, coding questions so just prepare for those um, yeah wonderful uh, you know, Christopher's asking some advice for someone going through a full stack development course after school has ended. Yeah. So, you know, for me personally, what I would always do, especially when I was teaching my, uh, my students inside prison, right? Um, and of course, some of them got released and now they're working in tech. What I sold, what I told them, um, and I actually gave them the option. I was like, Hey, do you want to end? And of course I'm using the uh, front end or I, I did teach them full stack, but focusing on the front end side of things, I was like, Hey, do you want to go with angular or react? And then I explained the pros and cons. I looked at the, um, the amount of jobs in both areas. And the reason why I looked at the amount of jobs is because they're coming out of prison, right? I wanted to give them every possible chance that they had to get employment. So, you know, uh, some of my top students, we, you know, we, we brainstormed of like, Hey, you know, Angular's good at these things, React's good at these things. Ultimately we went with React. The reason why we went with that. Um, oh, so, so to answer your question more specifically, what I personally would focus on is where the jobs are at, right? Where, what's more valuable at this point in time, right? Obviously, tech is always changing. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. One day, React is, is a hot new thing. And then, hey, maybe the next iteration of it, it's going to drop it. And then Angular is going to come back and, and be the, the hot thing, right? So I, I focus on what has the most jobs, what has the most likelihood. I'm not going to focus on things of, um, that, you know, that aren't that in demand just because it's not going to be beneficial. 
And of course you have to enjoy it. Um, me personally, I started with Angular. Um, I started with the mean stack and I realized I just didn't enjoy Angular at all, right? And I got over to, to the Mern stack and I was like, this is way more fun, right? So I actually started having fun with it. And just by having fun with it, um, I started learning more. So, um, you know, Sergey, do you have any advice for full stack development? Um, like going through full stack, what would you focus on? Um, what do you recommend? Sure. Um, I'm assuming this is uh, uh, Christopher. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, so I actually, I went through um, uh, a program called MakerSquare, which then got acquired by Hack Reactor, which now got acquired by uh, Galvanize. So, you know, um, big fish eat the little fish. But uh, I'd say, you know, that, that one was, you know, if you're, if you're asking specifically um, about, you know, the like sort of intensive, like boot camp, like full time, um, you know, similar advice as before, like create the right systems and, and support structure for yourself. Uh, you know, it's, it's very intense to be like doing this coding stuff all day, every day. Um, yeah, but if you're, if you're um, just uh, going through something after college, uh, I, I'd say like, you know, try to put in like the, just always think of it in terms of taking like the next step, right? If, you, if you're unfamiliar completely with the JavaScript, take like a code academy course, something you can do in an afternoon or a week or something, depending on your, your coding background. Um, see, you know, take like the minimum kind of like next step and then see if you want to keep going, right? So you're not over investing in, in, into something that you may or may not like. Um, yeah, uh, and then in terms of like the technologies, I, you know, I'd say like, you know, kind of echoing what, what Shiv said, I, it's hard to go wrong. A lot of times like these, these the knowledge is sort of transferable. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, a big part of coding is, or being an engineer is just, just being able to learn on the, on the job and on the spot. So um, yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, it, it, don't overthink that. I'd say just like figure out how to kind of get those right, right uh, systems in place. Wonderful. Well, thank you. So Praveen uh, is asking uh, in an interview, it is expected to know solution. Otherwise I don't see uh, it can be completed in 30 minutes, leaving 15 minutes intros and outros, including problem description. Um, what do you say to that, Sergey? Do you think uh, you have to already know the solution? Um, you know, and I would like to actually add to that. One thing that um, I learned is it's all about patterns with all these dash structures, there's patterns being able to identify. It's impossible to know every single problem, right? Um, and what's important is being able to quickly identify the pattern. And for me personally, what I would do, I'm a very visual individual, so I would spend a lot more time diagramming. I would, if I only had 30 minutes to solve a problem, I'd probably spend 15 minutes of it diagramming and then 10 minutes to pseudocode it and then just five minutes to write it out because all my work has already been done in the diagram and in the pseudocode. Um, what do you say to that, uh, Sergey? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously if you've seen a problem before, it definitely helps. I mean, I had one, one set of interviews where each interviewer basically asked a variation of the exact same problem. Uh, you know, each one asked two problems, but, uh, you know, the first problem was, was like identical all, all three times, which was, which was odd. Um, but, uh, but anyways, um, the, yeah, so as far as, uh, Knowing it, I think again, like it focus on, um, you know, it, you'd be surprised at how good you can get at solving these problems on the spot during time constraints. It's, it is a skill that you can learn. It sometimes it seems like, you know, like it's an impossible thing, but it's really not. Um, 
once you've seen enough problems, you start to realize like there's only certain kinds that get asked over and over. Um, again, it has to be something that, you know, they, they ask questions that um, someone can solve. And, um, you know, it's, I think the, the nice thing about Alco is like, it, it's kind of like still all the noise and said, okay, these are the skills that you need to focus on for solving these, these kinds of problems. Um, so yeah, it, again, and you're, you're not going to figure out every problem, right? Like there's going to be times where you get stuck and, or, you know, maybe they are, you're supposed to solve two problems. You can only get through one given your time. Um, and that's just, that's just the way it goes. But, um, again, if you, if you focus on the process of it and asking questions, diagramming, like Shiv said, um, trying, trying more examples. I can't stress that enough. Like people don't try enough examples when they, when they work through problems. Like, um, if you get stuck, just, just keep going. And, um, sometimes like when you actually get to the code section, if you're, if you've done the practice and you've done the work ahead of time, like you can get through the code like very quickly. So sometimes like that problem solving piece might take up like, you know, like most like 90% of the time. And then in five minutes you can kind of quickly write out the code. Um, they want to see that process. They want to see you talk through and, and think through that, that, uh, that question. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I can't emphasize enough, communication is extremely important, right? Being able to talk about what you're doing because you could get the problem right, but if you didn't communicate, right, it, it doesn't mean, it's, it's hard to know how you're going to communicate in a stressful environment. Um, so we have about three minutes. I think we, this might be the last question. Um, so let's go with, uh, so Josh is asking, you know, at Google or anywhere, uh, how do you recommend moving into a different field of software engineering? Uh, good question. I'm actually, you know, interested in machine learning myself. I think it's just, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I, I kind of realized like I can't just like dabble in it. Like you have to make like a commitment to kind of move somewhere. So I, like, uh, when I first got into coding, right, it was at a certain point I had to like say, okay, I'm, am I going to be serious about this and like go full force into it? Um, or, uh, you know, do I kind of just let it go? Um, you know, because, it, because it's one thing to take some online courses and just mess around with some, you know, some toy apps. It's another to like fully commit and, you know, actually say I'm going, going to do this thing. So uh, make that decision. Um, and then like network with the right people. There's a lot of teams, right? Like a lot of people work on different things. You know, get to like reach out to people at you know, Google. We have like an internal directory where you can kind of find what people are, different people are working on, um, you know, talk to them. It's, it's also a little different than like uh, the outside kind of job search because everyone's already working for Google. Um, so it's, you know, it's a little bit nicer just kind of network and, you know, get to know, kind of see like who's hiring, like who's, who's available, what, what teams are growing. Um, it, it, like I said, it's a, it's a process and it's an investment. So, um, but yeah, if, if you're interested in that, I mean, there's also, and again, nowadays everything's online, all these, all, all universities are going online anyways. And then there's all these online courses that are free that are just as good. Um, so, you know, if you really want to learn a skill, like it's it, the information's out there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Sergey, I do think that was the last question. Um, you know, so I just want to go ahead and thank, you know, Sergey, you for taking the time to speak with us. Um, you know, speak to me, speak to every participant that came in here. You know, I hope everyone was able to learn something, um, take something away. Uh, to everyone that joined, thank you all for your time. Definitely appreciate you, right? Definitely want to uh, be safe out there. Um, so, Sergey, do you have any, uh, any, closing, any closing remarks? Uh, stay hungry, stay foolish. Wonderful.
All righty, y'all. You all take care. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. Of course, you welcome everyone. You welcome. Thanks, everyone.